Why Do We Sound So Good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. Hi, everybody. I'm Susanna Mars. Welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. I'm so fortunate today to be talking to Carlos Calmar, who is the maestro of the Oregon Symphony, who is doing incredible work with our Oregon Symphony. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yes, it's wonderful to watch you conduct. I saw on Friday Hansel and Gretel. And uh, oh, so appreciate uh, the, the source of pride and beauty you give our city. Thank you so much for that. Well, I absolutely am a very firm believer that uh, a great city like Portland uh, absolutely needs, deserves, and uh, should always support a great orchestra. Mm-hmm. And we have definitely in the Oregon Symphony an absolute primetime orchestra. I'm very proud of them. Yes, uh, you can see the love between you all is palpable. Yeah, we have we have been working for a while together, you know. Yes. And we 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 developed kind of uh, mechanisms so we we are very efficient. And when we can bring to everybody here, not only in Portland, but through radio, etc., and media, the joy of music. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, how do you cultivate the relationships between all the players in the orchestra and yourself? Actually, that is a little bit of a... Um, there is some mystique to that. Mm-hmm. Because it's uh, you have to understand that... Um, we try to be very collegial with each other, which we are, and there is, I think, uh, there is a very good uh, tone of work and a, a good environment of work. But uh, still, um, at, as far as I'm concerned, you ha- I have to separate myself a little bit from musicians, meaning mm. um, there, there is still this relationship between the leader, the boss, if you will, and uh, the musicians, which has to be kept at the, to some extent. Now, I just believe that uh, there must be something here um, that happened over many, many years, uh, which is a certain sense of pride mm. in the musicians, that they started over time to understand uh, and own the fact that they are really good, mm. really uh, and once you uh, have this knowledge, and once uh, you and there is no arrogance in that. It's just the fact that they know we are actually, we can do the job really well. We are being appreciated uh, by the city, by the people who come to all of our concerts, uh, by even people who don't come to a concert just know about us. We are really being appreciated by our music director. Uh, who works as hard but uh, but likes us a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of that creates an environment that together with the fact that we, here in Portland we live in a, in a city that I think favors that as well. Mm. So there is, there is this, there's a certain positive attitude and it's not that it's one thing you say. It's a lot of components that led to this orchestra to be... Uh, I he- I've heard it over time many times from visiting artists who told me not only about the qualities about uh, of the orchestra, they also told me this is a happy orchestra. Mm. And that helps. it helps the work a lot. Mm. That's interesting. Now, the season preview event, is there anything you can give us a little sneak peek about? Of course I can. <laughs> 
so the next season is a lot of uh, fantastic concerts. Uh, I mean, everybody, uh, of course, will uh, everybody wants will get a brochure and look through the pages. And on one side, I can say there is this thing that we uh, have been working incessantly on, which is bringing the best soloists uh, to our stage. There are at least. Three of the best pianists of the world are coming. There is uh, the legend of Isaac Perlman is coming. Mm. Uh, Chick Corea is going to do a, p- a special. I mean, this is just to mention a few. But I'm also very proud. If there are a couple of things that I want to mention uh, before and that are very proud is, first of all, we do this uh, series uh, that we call Sound Sites. It's mm-hmm. a series that we started a couple of years back. And it always has a slightly different name that includes the word sound, in which we uh, we actually tackle the idea of something visual, something unusual, that not so many other orchestras do in concert halls, because uh, you know how it works to go to a concert. So next season we are doing three very different projects. And interesting enough, the lead artists in the three projects, we have worked with all of them. So... There is the stage director, Mari Birnbaum, who is going to do uh, a combination of Shakespeare's Tempest together with Sibelius' uh, music that he wrote for this piece. Then um, a couple of years back, we did a modern piece of music, 75 minutes of craziness, called Turangalila and Rose Bond uh, took the entire stage and more than only the stage to do her magic with visuals and she's coming back and working on a modern piece of music called Sinfonia which is by Italian composer Luciano Berio and last but not least uh, just down the road uh, we have this genius called Michael Curry the master Mm. puppeteer of so many different things he did a project a couple of years ago with Persephone he did Persephone which was Absolutely astounding. And he's coming back next season, Mm. and he's doing a piece by the Mexican composer Silvestre Revueltas called La Noche de los Mayas, the night of the Mayas. And this will be interesting because I remember the Persephone, and Persephone actually is a real story Mm -hmm. with a beginning and an end. La Noche de los Mayas is not a story. It's just descriptive music of not a real story of more evocative of the nights there and his dance and this and that and i can't wait to see what he will be doing and if i am able to mention one more thing which is very very important to me is uh, because it speaks a little bit about where we are and what we should be doing as uh, an arts institution so for centuries women have been neglected in leading positions in the music world mm-hmm. aside from playing solo instruments. Mm. You will find great pianists and the violinists and the likes. What doesn't really exist, uh, at least not with the regularity that is necessary, is on one side conductors uh, and uh, one of uh, the candidates to be my successor is actually a female conductor and I'm very happy that we will see that Mm. because we haven't seen that I think on the stage of the Schnitz for quite a while on the home of uh, the Oregon Symphony and the other thing is composers Mm. 
Mm. I got a little bit into studying uh, what is there in terms of female composers aside from the 21st century and right now, where there are several, and we are working with uh, some of them. But I know that um, there might have been incredibly gifted uh, women 150 years ago, uh, and we would know way more about them, but then they made this, <laughs> and I say that with slight irony, they made the mistake of marrying, and their husbands were not having women with a career. Right. I have read that many times, and it's a tragedy. I can tell you that. Hmm. It's a tragedy because I'm sure there was a lot of talent lost because of neglect. Hmm. Now we live in different times, and I'm very happy that next season we are presenting a couple of pieces uh, in which uh, female composers have an absolute voice, and I'm, I'm very proud of uh, the selection that we made. It's mostly uh, ladies of the 20th, 21st century, but hmm. uh, I mean, there is always future, and we can then look back. I watched a little video of you from an Oregon Art Beats segment uh, several years ago, mm-hmm. and you were re- rehearsing Mahler's Resurrection, and while oh, you were yeah. rehearsing, you told the orchestra that the music they were playing was too well-behaved. and. Oh, <laughs> and I, I thought that was just really interesting, especially in light of what you're saying about women also and about classical music in general, that it's notoriously watched classical music by well-behaved audiences. Do you think that this is going to change as you're going to be bringing a more diverse composing artist into the mix, that the music will become less well-behaved as an art form mm-hmm. and also for audience? I don't I don't think and I doubt that I really would like that. Uh, If we are talking about the environment of a concert hall, um, and uh, then I want to keep certain things at least in place the way they are. And my question would be, uh, also in regards to what you remember seeing in the little video when I was rehearsing, is what did I actually mean by don't play so well behaved. Mm-hmm. I can tell uh, the, that rings a bell in me uh, because I don't think that music itself is meant to be well behaved overall. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is I, it's not up to now uh, wonderful, talented women composers or people from diverse background, which we all desperately need mm-hmm. as a voice to bring something that might not be so well behaved. I just think that it's a tragedy that we are working on, uh, and it has many reasons to be analyzed, that uh, the music of the last uh, 300, 400, 500 years has been written for uh, 95% of it, mm-hmm. at minimum, by white people. Right. Uh, and And some of them also maybe linked to aristocracy, if you wish. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what I meant by don't play so well behaved is an expression, because I want music to be extremely expressive when the music allows it. Mm-hmm. And when we are talking about Mahler or... I mean, I, I, because I was talking about this project with Michael Curry and uh, the piece by Silvestre Revueltas, uh, oh, that's not well behaved music at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and um, but I think I think we all benefit from the source of classical music if we still go to the concert halls mostly and just really pay attention because I would warn a little bit from misunderstanding don't play so well behaved mm-hmm. as okay do whatever you want come and go whenever you want into the concert no just it's sit there and just pay attention because what happens in a concert hall and what uh, our audience is going to be exposed is absolutely transformational mm-hmm. it will sometimes it will change your day sometimes it will change your week sometimes you will remember months later what you actually witnessed yes and sometimes it will just be a good uh, half an hour and all of it is the miracle of music yeah well the for me the perception of well behaved is that you don't let that emotion penetrate you and i think the oregon symphony as you said is playing so excellently that when you can sit in that concert hall and you can let that music permeate you and it, and, it, and you can experience it at a deep level where you don't have to sit up straight and be strapped in you know be censored uh, and that the kind of music that you're playing is is very emotional, very exciting. You, you, I couldn't say it better because that's exactly what we are aiming for. And uh, if sometimes the music that we play makes you cringe, if sometimes it makes you cry, sometimes it makes you smile. Mm. Uh, sometimes you remember, you have an association mm-hmm. of something that happened in your life at this moment or five years ago. All of it. Mm-hmm. It's a world by itself, and uh, I'm also an absolute lobbyist when it comes to music. Um, and I say that in a uh, intentionally in a general way, that what the music will do to you is actually up to you. Mm-hmm. It does. What I mean is, a certain piece will not uh, trigger in you the same feelings as with your partner. You are two different people. And when music, music is such a thing of interpretation. Sometimes something is meant to be one thing and it triggers something different. And I'm absolutely happy with that. Well, and it's another testament to how you're really breaking the boundaries for a symphonic experience with the Sound Sight series. And uh, seeing Persephone, for instance, or Hansel and Gretel, where you have such vivid and exciting visual elements. And I I wondered, looking back on the history of the concert hall, in the past, the excitement to attend a a concert in a concert hall, you know, hundreds of years ago, was that that's where society was and you could observe things. And now we're just taking it even a step further to give audience experiences that that they can't have out of the concert hall. Yes, and I would even take a step further because, of course, the the, the main focus is to diversify the audience. Mm-hmm. But um, um, aside from things like Persephone, Hansel and Gretel, which was a marvelous endeavor, um, last year we tried something out, and I think it was a very interesting experience for whoever watched it. Is think we're tackling social themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a concert hall. The intake form? Well, that was the the peak. We did three concerts. One was immigration, one was Mm -hmm. the environment, and the last one 
that you're talking about uh, the emergency shelter intake form by mm -hmm. Gabriel Cahane, mm -hmm. that was uh, homelessness and the idea of poverty. And I'm sure that nobody else, uh, very rarely in, even in the world, nor a symphony orchestra has taken it upon himself to present a concert that actually speaks about a social theme and gets a discussion going. It's so because thrilling. Our aim. And I'm not saying this is the future or the visuals that we're integrating with Handel and Gretel, Persephone and the likes is the future of classical music. But definitely we are opening new doors because uh, the promotion of classical music is a big building and there were a couple of rooms that we have not yet unlocked. Mm. And I think it's going to continue. How is your conducting different today than it was when you joined the Oregon Symphony? I think that uh, the basics have not really changed. I think I'm probably, because it's something that happens over years, you're getting more effective. Mm -hmm. You, uh, there is, there is a different, look, I am now in my year 16 here. Mm -hmm. Uh, as music director, which uh, speaks a lot, of course, about the relationship of the orchestra uh, that we all have together. But also, 16 years is uh, pretty much close to half of my professional life. Mm. I'm, I'm around 34 years into professional conducting. And uh, it makes a difference. You mm. learn nothing of in uh, such a long period of time, and you, I think you, you, the the usage of time and effectiveness has changed. And of course, things that maybe at the beginning of my tenure here, I I would have had to show in way more clarity. Uh, now, sometimes just looking is will suffice. Musicians. Uh, who have worked with me over years already know uh, he probably means this. Mm. It's it, like uh, it's like uh, being together with people you know very well. Mm -hmm. And what would you suggest to an aspiring conductor how to point their education? Well, in terms of the education of uh, of a conductor, um, it you know conducting is a very complex matter. Mm -hmm. I would say really work yourself very hard when you're very young. And uh, because it's one thing that I tell young conductors our days, because it's an example of what happened to me. Mm. When you're a young conductor and you're, you might sit next at home next to the phone, hoping the phone to ring and somebody says, we just had a cancellation. Our music director just <laughs> got sick. Can you please help us out? Mm. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. In that case, if you have not done your homework really well in your young years and have accumulated knowledge, mm. you will not be able to just jump in and do it well. Mm. So really work hard. And if there is one thing, and I'm not saying, stating the obvious, meaning talent, hard work, good technique, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One thing that I absolutely would like to give to people who want to go into my profession is the word curiosity. Mm. What I mean by that is uh, I, am, I have been conducting 34 years professionally. It's a long time. 
uh, I'm a person of a certain right, slightly more mature age <laughs> right now, and I'm still a very curious musician. Mm. Don't, don't after 20 years think, okay, now I have seen whatever I need to see, and now I'm going to rehash whatever I have accumulated in 20 years, which might be a lot. I still am like, please give me something new to do that I've never looked at. Mm. Well, that leads me perfectly to the next question, which is who are the contemporary composers who really excite you right now? Every, pretty much everybody. Of course, I mean, we are living, look, there there are so many and they have voices. And uh, here in this country, of course, and this is nothing that new, I'm a fan of John Adams. Mm. I must say here in Portland, uh, since I... I met and worked with Gabriel Kahane. Mm. I'm an absolute. I was a fan before, but I thought like, wow, that's a major talent. Mm. Um, if you, if I look abroad into Europe, I'm a fan of uh, the Scottish composer uh, James Macmillan, just to name one. But the, the interesting point is there are so many, mm. and I every day I learn something. I, for example, I really like. Gabriela Lena Frank, who is Peruvian American and uh, quite young on the, on the younger side, such a great talent. We are playing a piece by her next season as well, mm. and there are us to come. So it's it's a variety. It must be very exciting to be able to put forward some of these upcoming artists on the calendar and be a part of their growth and audiences finding them. Well, I think that it's something that we established over years uh, here in Portland, and I get this comment very often that um, the people appreciate the fact that we, as the Oregon Symphony and our programming, are exposing our audience to things that they actually do not know. Mm. And every time I talk about music, I find my approach to be fairly similar. I don't find it absolutely necessary to constantly talk about the absolute excellency of pieces like Beethoven 9 or Tchaikovsky 4, because I think, come on, you know it, (laughs) I know it. It's the best music ever written, so fine, can we go to the next one? Mm. Uh, I'd rather talk about things that people don't know, and if I look at the program of next season, there are plenty Mm. things that our audiences will have never heard I mentioned Luciano Berio, the Silvestre Revueltas, the lady, the, the women composers, be that Gabriela Smith, who is writing a piece for us, Gabriela Elena Frank, hmm. uh, Missy Mazzoli is also another name that uh, people might not know, but it's also people, uh, names of composers that might be slightly familiar, like Grace Vaughan Williams. Hmm. And we're playing a piece that I'm sure has not been played in Oregon for the last 30 years. And it's so nice also because the symphony provides so many great opportunities to learn about these artists in pre-shows and post-show discussions and online information. And that when you go to the to the website at orsymphony.org, you can learn so much before you get into the concert hall that will really enrich your experience. Yeah, it's either if you want to learn something, there is, we always post the program notes, mm-hmm. which are really a great explanation. And if you have the time, I always recommend to everybody, please come an hour earlier than the concert begins, mm-hmm. because we do pre-concert talks. And whenever um, 
I am on the podium conducting the concert. I am a very active participant, so you mm. hear me also speak. And what we essentially do is a chat, and it gives you a little bit of context. Um, it's not so much something. Uh, it's, it's not something that I would call a lecture. Mm-hmm. It's not a lecture. It's more people, uh, sometimes one, sometimes it's two, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. talking about music. It feels and like a nice conversation. It's a conversation, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And I have wonderful partners who uh, all come from all classical 89.9 who mm-hmm. do this uh, pre-concert conversation with me or with guest artists. Nice. And it's really worth it. So here are a couple of fun questions that I think people will be interested in. And the first one yep. is, what's a perfect ending for you to a stressful day? My children and my wife. Mm. That's the perfect ending. Mm. What do you like to do together? It's not so much what we do, but uh, actually to to, to kind of let the... the, If there was a stressful day, to just be at home Mm. and just bring the children, bring the kids to bed. Mm. Uh, We have little children. They are four and two. We have Mm. two fantastic boys. Mm. And uh, they are very happy kids. Mm. And that is, you know... In a stressful world, the, 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 the value of a good family is, uh, you cannot compare that to anything else. So that is a big one for me. Mm. So this actually may be related, but what makes you laugh? <laughs> Just that question, apparently. <laughs> a lot of things make me laugh, actually. <laughs> um, laughter, I mean... I mean, I'm sorry that I have to talk about uh, essentially um, my family, but if you hear my children laugh, mm. it just, yeah, it cracks you up. It does. And, and uh, on a bigger scope, uh, which is not like this haha laughter, I think sometimes that the ability of the ability to laugh about yourself mm. is important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I thought uh, it was so much fun seeing Hansel and Gretel on Friday. It was very inspirational. What has inspired you recently? Well, the thing with me that happens all the time is I am, since I'm spending my time on the podium conducting, mm-hmm. it, every week it's something different. Mm. That, is, that is pretty much summarizes a little bit my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in the in the working place. And if you are as blessed as I feel that the last week I was allowed to lead uh, all the performances of Hansel Gretel, and I just now come from a rehearsal for Dvorak Symphony Number no. Eight, mm. which is just a miracle in sound. And next week I'm doing some other piece, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The world changes every week, mm. and that's absolutely stunning to me. And I, it's one of the many reasons why I cherish the profession that I have. Well, it shows when you're on the podium, and uh, you also have fantastic hair. <laughs> so, thank you. You do. You have fantastic <laughs> hair. I had to ask, how often do you get it cut? Very rarely. Is that right? It's beautiful. It has its own dancing ability. Yeah, I heard, and then sometimes when it gets really, when I start to look like an older lion, <laughs> my, my wife looks at me and says, eh, it's time, come on, go. 
I had my time when I actually dreamt, and it's not even so long ago, mm-hmm. when I actually dreamt of growing out my hair and conducting with a ponytail. I think you but, should do it. Uh, I, I don't know. This is Portland, after all. Yeah, I know. In Portland, it would be wonderful. <laughs> but I thought, I looked at photos and thought, like, it's fine. In there, <laughs> next. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Maestro Kalmar, for talking to me. It's just a real joy to see what you're bringing to our city and the incredible expertise and beauty of the Oregon Symphony is just non-paralleled. Oh, thank you very, very much. And uh, I won't convey all that to my orchestra. They deserve all the credit. Wonderful. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Have a lot of laughs with your beautiful family. <laughs> thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Adventures in Artslandia is brought to you this week by Frame Central, whose mission is to bring your art to life and your life to art. Visit pnwframing.com for all their locations and services. Thanks for listening to Adventures in Artslandia. Download the Artslandia app on iTunes where you're going to find a comprehensive arts calendar that's the best in the West. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Artslandia.